This is a True Foundations podcast. Real time, real life, real answers. Well, today, I think we should spend a few moments thinking about Joseph. Now, I, I don't, I know he doesn't figure greatly uh, in this whole story. We, there's lots of stuff we don't know. But I think we can learn a great deal from this guy. So I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. The birth of Jesus came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So just a, a brief comment about that. Is what can you say? What a remarkable event! Uh, this is not some kind of celestial intercourse. Uh, that's pagan thinking. It's a far cry from what happened in the days of Noah, uh, when some kind of demonic beings infiltrated mankind uh, through intercourse with women, and that's a mystery. You know where that led to. This was very, very different. Even though it said this is the work of the Spirit of God, it's not the same as God breathing life into Adam and Eve because that was an act of creation. This is not an act of creation. We have to be clear about that. This is the Word who became flesh. This is God self-limited. So this is not somehow a created being in Mary's womb. We must be clear about that. Beyond that, it's a mystery. That's where we have to leave it. Except to say, we know that it's absolutely true. We know what it is that God did in the end and how it worked out. But let's read on. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. And you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son. They will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. When Joseph got up from sleeping, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but he did not know her intimately until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. I like the simplicity of the way this story is written. But what about this guy, Joseph? Well, we know that he was a man who worked with his hands. We know that elsewhere. And, and usually in translations it says carpenter, but the word that is actually used is much broader than that. And, and we have come to think carpenter through tradition, and it's not necessarily wrong in itself. But it is a wider term. 
uh, and it includes things like um, working with stone. He was a craftsman. And I, I warm to that, that idea because is there not much in the Bible about stone? It's not Jesus himself referred to as being the chief cornerstone. And are we not as God's people uh, linked in to that cornerstone? Are we not called living stones? And I feel that has great merit. That this man Joseph, this skilled man, sets the scene for many things that we learn later. What a task. He's not Jesus' dad, but he has the responsibility of being a father to him in earthly terms. And to train him up in the Jewish way. To train him up in righteousness. And to teach him his skills his life skills, and to help prepare him for being the very Messiah of God. Now that's a task. This is unique in history. And it says of Joseph, he was a righteous man. Now that is not something that is, is often uttered in the Bible, is it? That is not often said about anyone in the Bible. That's the kind of man he was. In other words, he had a re right relationship with God. That's the, f that's the first thing. He had a right relationship with God, and he lived rightly. He was a godly man. Of course, who else would God entrust this new birth, this little one, this self-limitation of the holiness and righteousness of God. What other kind of man would he entrust all that to? And so in history, this man's unique, but he was a good man. It speaks well of him. It's recorded in that way for us to read. Even today, all this time, we don't know when he died. Uh, we have no idea of those things. We know very little of his life but I think we know quite a bit about his character. And that's what counts, isn't it? So he's a righteous man. Now here's his issue that he has to deal with. This, this young woman that he is engaged to, and, and their system was very, very different to ours. So he's engaged to her. He's not married, but the engagement is a formal contract. The marriage will come in due course. But before the marriage comes and is consolidated into being a full marriage, they cannot come together. They remain separate. They don't have some kind of secret liaison and do the deed undercover. They don't do that. They keep themselves separate until the right time. And there are legal consequences if they don't. And there are custom consequences if they don't. And of course they didn't. They kept themselves pure. That in itself was a commendable thing. Not unique of itself, but nevertheless right and proper. And in this period of engagement, 
looking on from the outside without knowing all the facts. Uh, we're not uh, bringing the purposes of God into the scene. Uh, this young woman finds herself pregnant. Now, of course, she knew what it was all about, but originally Joseph didn't. And I just wonder what the turmoil was that went on in his mind. I'm sure he trusted her. He knew better than that. Maybe she'd been raped. But nevertheless, here was a real situation, and the situation demanded a response. And under law, and under custom, there was a response. Public humiliation and divorce. Now Joseph, as a righteous man, a godly man, there is no doubt about it, he would want to do the right thing. I think if he is described as a righteous man, uh, he was a law-abiding man. And however he felt internally, and whatever the emotional turmoil that was taking place within him, he knew he had to do the right thing. Uh, because he was a righteous man. Uh, because he was a man who stood the understood the place of law. He was not a lawbreaker. He would keep the law. And so, in that sense, he would have felt he had no choice. Except that, we see something else in his nature. He understood the need to obey the law, but something inside him tells me that he understood that the law was not there for its own sake, because the legalist, the law, is there for their own, its own sake. They follow the law because somehow they get a kick out of their self-righteousness at following the law. The law is not there for its own sake. It's for a better cause. And when he is pressed, and when he is in this most awful situation, he wants to do what is right, but he is kind and compassionate. And so he is not prepared to follow what is usually done. He doesn't want to make this public. He cares. And so his decision is, I, I, I must do what the law says, but i got to think about Mary here. I think I'll do this secretly. So there's turmoil within him. He values the law. He wants to do the right thing. But he also sees that there is a higher cause as well. That the law serves a cause. The law is not the cause. And so his decision, as he tries to work this through, is... I, I don't want to place a burden upon her. I'll do this quietly. So you can see the kind of guy he is. He desires to do what is right and proper. He is not deliberately going against even the culture of it. But nevertheless, he thinks there's got to be a better way. And so he's prepared to do that better way. Now that tells me something about him. It tells me that he is a man of moral courage. He doesn't just cave in uh, to the culture, the custom. He doesn't just follow the law by default. He thinks it through and he sets out his course of action and in it he shows that he is a better man, that he has moral courage. So what a great example he is. 
that this is before he knows what's really going on. Now that counts to me. You see, once you know what's really going on, here we are Christian people, we're supposed to know what's really going on. I'm not sure that people always do. But we're supposed to, and once you know what's really going on, it makes your decision somewhat easier. But he decides so far without the full knowledge and understanding. So that speaks very well to me of the nature of this man. We ought to be like that. Uh, but then it says, after you'd considered these things. So even in the obeying of the law and the working out of his response to that, he considers we should not be blind followers of any law anyway. And we should consider. And if there is a higher cause, and if there is a better way, it's not flouting the law. It's not coming from uh, lawlessness or rebellion. It's coming from a place of a desire to do the very, very best thing. And sometimes moral courage is required. So he's in that place after he considered, then he gets this dream. Now, of course, I think Christians are prone to uh, having dreams uh, that give them permission to all kinds of stuff that they shouldn't do. And those kind of dreams, they don't come from God. They come from our subconscious. Uh, they come from a different place, uh, and they need to be discarded. But what if God is involved in your dream? Now, everything changes. This is not the same as a vision. It has the same kind of outworking, but he's asleep. That's basically, I think, anyway, the difference between a vision and a dream. If, you, if you're awake and you see something from God, it's a vision. If you're asleep, then it's a dream. Most of our dreams, we, we don't remember. You're into this dream, uh, and you wake up, Two seconds later, you know you've been dreaming and it was all kinds of stuff, but it's God. But dreams from God don't go because they are a message from him. They have a prophetic nature. They speak into a situation and they give us instruction and a way forward. But remember, this is on the basis of the character of the man and the decisions that he has already made uh, that are the best that he can come up with. But then God comes to him, and he comes to him through an angel who gives him the real information. He tells him the story of what's going on. He tells him the most remarkable thing. Now, I am pleased that Joseph didn't go to a dream counselor, because that's a bit vogue today. It used to be in, in days gone by, of course. Uh, some of the kings in the Old Testament, they went to dream counselors. I'm pleased he didn't do that. I'm pleased that he had the confidence uh, to hear from God uh, and make his own decision uh, because it was right. It was a lot to take in. But as I read this, I think this man who was a righteous man, I think this man who had moral courage, I think this dream answered a lot of questions for him. 
I think because of his character, he was already predisposed to receive this real answer. And so he dreams, and the angel comes. He explains it, and then he says, don't be afraid. What a relief. You see, there is a better way after all. Somewhere in his heart, he had felt the better way of, I'm not going to disgrace her. But now it unfolds. Now, that moral courage takes shape and form and becomes action. And he has the confidence to move forward. You see, so when he woke up, he did exactly what the angel said. This is really good decision making. One of the great things of moral character, one of the great things that people who have moral courage, they, they live a life which is godly. They have regard for the law, but they are answerable to a higher cause. One of the things that distinguishes those kind of people is this. They know how to make good decisions. He didn't have to go away and think about this. He didn't have to go through some uh, self-searching thing going on. How is this going to affect me and what should I do? He didn't do any of that. I think it's very clear to me uh, that he received the dream. He knew what it was about. And so he said, right, okay, I'll do that. That's good decision making. This is one of the things that, that troubles me in Christian circles. There are so many things that we have in the Word of God that tell us what we need to do uh, for life. Not all the intricacies of some decisions that face us, but it tells us many things of what we should do. And they just don't do it. That's poor. They want to go away and think about it for a long, long time. Then off they go to this one and that one until they get an answer that suits their own particular course. That's not the way to go about the Christian life. If God has said it, we better do it. We don't need to think about it that much. You need to know it's right and true. Of course you do. We should be spending a lot of time. I'll go away and I think I'll pray about this. When it's already been shown. When it's clear. This is what God says. So let's just do it. That's decision making at its best. So this guy, with his moral courage now, founded on this righteousness, he makes his decision. I don't even think he agonizes. Oh, I've got a decision to make now. He just does it. When Joseph got up from sleeping, he did as the Lord's angel commanded him. Then he married her. See, there's a practical outworking of what God has said. Now, of course, we know this is not repeatable in history at all. This is unique. But let's learn from the principles of it. What a godly man. He knew how to live life well. And we see how it worked out for him. We have the story. We have all of that. We know the uh, all the component parts to that that we think of so often. But you see... And this man's caliber of character, his trust in God is so absolute. Uh, he went against the culture of the day. He could have been accused of being a lawbreaker, but he wasn't really. 
He was understanding the higher cause. He was a God follower. He heard the voice of God through the angel. He responded. He did what was right. And then he called the baby's name Jesus. He followed through right to the end. What a great man of God he was. And I think for us, it'd be good to consider his example so that we might in turn in the living of our Christian lives know how to hear the voice of God and follow through. But we must do it from a base. And it is this base of the righteousness of an individual who has right standing with God himself. Amen. Thank you for joining us. True Foundations is headed by David J. Jones, a preacher and teacher of the Word of God. His passion is to help individual Christians discover their true identity in Christ and to learn how grace operates in their lives. Currently residing in Canada, he is taught in both North America and the UK and has listeners all over the world. If you have questions about anything you've heard today, please email us at info at truefoundations.ca. Or for more information on True Foundations resources, please visit our website at truefoundations.ca.